Hey there, and welcome back to Take One, the podcast that brings you just one heartfelt page of Talmud every day. And today's page, Nazir 65, touches on one of the subjects that I feel personally most passionate about, the subject of the death penalty. Have a listen. The sages similarly taught, with regard to one who strikes another with heavy blows and doctors assessed that he would die as a result of the beating, but his health improved from what it was so that they then determined that he would not die from his injuries and afterward his condition worsened and he died. The one who struck him is liable to receive court-imposed capital punishment as it is assumed that the victim's death was caused by the assault. Rabbi Nechemiah says he is exempt because there is a basis for anticipating the matter. Since the victim began to recover during his illness, it is reasonable to assume that his death was caused by a factor other than the assault. There are so many reasons uh, to join people like me in our opposition to the death penalty, but the Talmud today gives us one, not necessarily the moral one, but really kind of the legalistic one of saying, hey, until you have absolute certainty, or unless you have absolute certainty, you should really be very careful here to address issues of certainty, morality, and capital punishment is Rabbi Ben Zober of Temple Sinai in Reno. Rabbi, thank you so much for joining me. You're welcome. It's a, it's a pleasure and an honor to be here. You share my profound disgust, I take it, with said death penalty. Tell us a little bit about what you feel when you read a segment like today's page of Talmud. Well, the first thing that kind of comes to mind is that it it almost comes out of nowhere. That we're having this really wonderful discussion about the Nazarites and emissions and all sorts of splendid things like that. And then it jogs the rabbi's memory and they say, oh, here's something else that we should talk about. Or here's another way to understand it, which to me suggests that it's on their mind. And we see this often in, in Talmud that it's associative memory and things come up. And the fact that death penalty and capital punishment and things like that do come up so often is it's something that is relevant to them. It's something that's pressing on them. And in this case, they're looking a little bit at certainty and finality because they understand that this is something not to be taken lightly, which also gives us insight as to how significant the Nazarite vow is. That for us, it's kind of, we're a little bit separated from it, going, why did they go on for this for 66 pages? Uh, but for them, it's, it's really pressing. Right? And for them, in a lot of ways, it's a matter of life and death. And it's something that we then look at in our own way about this matter of capital punishment, which also is life and death. And something we can draw from them is there's a bit in there about certainty. And often in the Talmud, we see that they take it and the idea of certainty very, very seriously. And they want to be absolutely sure. And their tendency, their operating principles are to, to preserve life. They put as many barriers as they can in between the action and the punishment. And it is something that we don't have in our American jurisprudence. And we don't have internationally. It just, just yesterday or the day before, the Biden administration was condemning, uh, I think it was in, I want to say Nigeria, where they were making LGBTQ actions or identities a capital offense. Right. We hope that the Biden administration follows through on its own promises about abolishing the death penalty. But we see that in our, in our American law, we don't have that kind of finality. 
there are nowhere near as many safeguards that we have. Uh, we are way behind what the rabbis were doing centuries and centuries ago. You know, it's a really interesting idea just hearing you say it because, you know, it's one thing to sort of have this kind of just sort of like sweeping objection and say, this is immoral as only Hashem gave life, so too may only Hashem take life. But it's another thing to do the all too human thing that the rabbis are doing right now and are saying, look, if for no other reason, um, to take a life, every reasonable person would agree, you have to have certainty beyond reasonable doubt. And just stopping there for a second to show us how difficult it is to reach that moment of certainty. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Absolutely. And, th and because the example they give is someone gets hit, he is suffering from it, does a little better, and then takes a turn for the worse, which seems fairly clear. You know, this is not, they're not talking about someone who falls ill. It's if someone gets hit, you can kind of sense the trajectory. And then the objection comes in and says, wait a minute, if it gets better, there's something going on. There's got to be something else at play. And we don't see that in American jurisprudence. It's not enough. It's not enough to be innocent, sadly. If you read through any number of accounts of people who have been exonerated from death row or efforts to work to that, something like Just Mercy by Brian Stevenson, it's shocking how far past certainty it is that we dismantle one thing after another, after another, after another, any one of which should make us say, wait a minute, this is not right. Either we are convinced or there's enough doubt that we should put the brakes on this. We should look further or we should do something to make sure we're not making a fatal and irreversible error. But it's not there. And in fact, it's the opposite, that you have to have efforts like you see in Just Mercy or if you're familiar with the, the case of Kevin Keith, which it's just mind-boggling. Well, on the one hand, how certain some people are that it is not only the right decision, but the right course of action in the face of so much evidence that says, no, and we can't even get to, if I don't have the information, if I don't have the evidence that can prove to everyone that this is the right thing to do, we should stop. But we don't, we don't have that, sadly. Well, may we wise up and may our minds and our hearts grow wiser. Rabbi Zuber, thank you so much for being our guest. Amen. Thank you. Thank this has been Take One. If you enjoy the show, and I hope that you do, please go rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you use to listen to podcasts. And get your Take One merch, t-shirts, mugs, and other great stuff at tabletstudios.com. Each week, we will be releasing new episodes Monday through Friday, covering the entire weekly portion of Daf Yomi. Take One is a Tablet Studios production. The show is hosted by me, Leah Leibowitz, and is produced and edited by Daron Roske, Quinn Waller, and Ellie Blyer. Our team also includes Stephanie Butnick, Josh Cross, Tanya Singer, Courtney Hazlett, Robert Scarmucha, and Mark Oppenheimer. For more information, go to tabletmag.com slash takeone or email us at takeone at tabletmag.com. You could find us on Twitter at takeone.fiomi or join our Facebook group by searching for Take One Podcast. I hope we have made your day a little more Talmudic.